Hello, it's Mike Richards here from the Treasury Recruitment Company. I hope you're enjoying the Treasury Career Corner. If you are, great news. Perhaps you give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast content. This means that even more Treasury professionals can benefit from finding out or by finding out about how Treasurers have achieved their career goals. The link to rate our show will list at the bottom of our show notes. And please remember as well, the show itself is as much about you as it is about us. If there are specific questions you want us to ask or there's feedback you want to give, please drop me an email. My direct email is mike at treasuryrecruitment.com, inventably enough. But anyway, that's enough from me. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each week, I talk to treasurers about how they've built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. In this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Winnie Lee, the group treasurer at PPD. Now, PPD are a privately held group, but actually a leading global contract research organization. They provide comprehensive drug development, laboratory and life cycle management services. And in terms of size-wise, to give you an idea, they worked on development programs for 49 of the top 50 pharmaceutical companies, 270 biotech and small pharma companies as well. In terms of size, again, 21,000 employees, 92 offices, 48 countries. I know you Treasury guys like your numbers, so there you go. It gives you a bit of an idea. Um, as a quick overview, Winnie herself, which she can get through her background a little bit more, but she graduated from Cambridge. Then she did her finance career and started with some of the professional accountancy firms before then joining, coming through Viacom, and then actually joining PPD where she's you know, taken a real active role and set up and developed their treasury function. Again, uh, one thing I will say, uh, Winnie was recently described as having a willis- willingness to up sticks, move to where the action is, and have a real strong commitment to the treasury discipline. So, well, uh, uh, Winnie can describe herself a little bit more. Um, that's enough from me as always. Let's get into the show. Winnie, take us back, if you would, and uh, you know you originally start graduated from Cambridge, and then then found Treasury later on. How did it all first start for you? Very interesting question. Certainly, um, you know, once I graduated from Cambridge University, I actually um, done some SWOT analysis of myself, mm-hmm. and then trying to find out what's my strengths and my weaknesses. And certainly, you know, um, numbers and working in business finance are my passion. So what actually, um, at the time, I had the career opportunities in investment banking or corporate banking, as well as, um, you know, in go straight into industry or working for accountancy firm. Mm. So I did some research compared to US and UK specifically regarding the finance world. And eventually, if you want to become CFO, what path should I take? Mm. So um, I decided, you know, to go into accountancy firm, professional mm-hmm. uh, accountancy firm, uh, knowing the fact, you know, have a good qualification is actually outside university as a must, um, you know, to uh, to develop my career further in finance. So then, you know, then I actually um, started my career with Arthur Anderson. Mm-hmm. I had a wonderful training in Arthur Anderson, then also Deloitte. I think I really appreciate those times where i able to just, you know, fly into any single uh, company doing three to four weeks 
various different work with them, get to understand various different industry. How do how do they work within the you know within um, entire you know United Kingdom? I travelled a lot during that time uh, within the UK. That was really a very wonderful experience, and then. Surely after that, actually, you know, when I say surely, so good, you know, um, seven years or so, that moved to uh, outside the industry, going to Viacom. Okay, Viacom is the Winnie. Before you move, move, just going back into that, you 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 develop sure. those seven years. Tell us a bit, just mm-hmm. you know, digging into that. What do you feel it gave you? Because there were some guys listening and girls listening, and they go, "Oh, actually, this is, I'm in because I'm in working for one of those big accountancy firms." Before you got to Viacom, you know, and you walked to the door, what did it give you? What was it that, you know, you say it was a great exposure, but describe that a bit more, if you would, for us. Sure, no problem. I think, you know, accountants, um, they give you really good, solid training. So uh, the training is not just the qualification training because we have definitely have, you know, the uh, study leave training, which is Mm -hmm. really, really appreciating for someone who has a juggling work as well as actually technology and theory training. I think that's very important. Um, Also, you would have uh, the training on job training. So you, in the beginning, you would be actually working on the project, assisting um, the leaders and also the partners to actually examine the company in detail. But um, very soon you will find out within year or two, you are leading a group, a team. And so then the training is not just about understanding the organization in very quick fashion, but also point out what their risks are and then developing a strategy, how to deal with the issues where possible. And as well as how to lead a team. I think it's important to early on, you starting to thinking how we get team to work and how they can interact with each other as well, actually bringing something in and how to interact with organizations, senior management group, because the people you tend to talk to are fairly senior staff in the organization. So that gives you the all-round communication, social as a leadership skills from those training. That's relatively early stage in your career. So you're relatively young, as it were, and then you're talking to CFOs, CEOs. How did you have that confidence to deal with them? What gave you that, you know, hang on, I can do this? I think, A, you need to believe in yourself, believe in Mm -hmm. what you do is for the the good, then also prepare yourself before you actually ask any question. Do your groundwork. The most complaints you will get is actually people always think, especially nowadays I'm working for organizations, seeing various different consultants and auditors coming to the organization. The often complaints is they don't know about my company. So I think you need to spend the time to research, looking through the past audit paper, looking through the information about organization, get to know the people who you're talking to. Yes, you might spend more time, but more time you spend is so valuable and then creating more effective communication later on. As soon as the CFO and the CEO understand where you're coming from and what you, you already done some groundwork to know who they are and what question you raise has a stance, mm-hmm. then they actually give you respect. 
then that respect actually, you know, will surface and then you starting to have a very good working relationship. Very early stage, actually, I dealt with a very difficult client. Every single audit manager has been rejected. Mm. And I managed to work through with that particular categorized as difficult clients. I managed to get what we do and then actually um, get an award for it. I think I would uh, attribute that to the good groundwork (laughs) in Mm. the beginning and spending more time upfront. I think that's so so important. Doing your research and really understanding a client before you just walk in and, oh, I'm here. You know, it's actually, this is what I know about you already. That's right. Exactly. Yes. And as you said, sorry, you then made the move to Viacom. How did that come about and why Viacom? Viacom, obviously, I think it's more headhunters looking for people mm. for Viacom. Viacom is obviously one of the biggest media company in the world. The industry is very exciting. I went into, you know, internal audit and internal consulting role, which is very appealing to me. I liked the in international travel aspect of it is the most changing, but it's the most exciting part of the job where I get to travel 30 something countries in two, three years. Literally one point I leaving in the summer, come back to England in after Christmas, one job to the other, which is not suitable for everyone, but that was exciting for me. And then also I learned so much from that business where if I say in Los Angeles and Deloitte, I learned industry experiences, expertise, where in Viacom, I learned international skill set and then went into various different countries, Vietnam, Thailand, Denmark, you know, US, all sorts of different countries and every single places I do go tend to stay for three to four weeks. So you actually try to learn how to deal with people in different culture using different language. And I try to also utilize some of my language skills. And then I get to a point now traveling is one of my most desirable things because that experience I learned during that time. And if other listeners are in a similar situation, they're having to sort of jump from one country to another within their roles or within the things that they're doing, what tips would you give them when when you go to one day you're in Vienna, then a month later, you, as you say, you're in Thailand or something like that. What are your tip? Not, you know, what are you packing as your travel kit, but more for you as a person, what's your personal travel kit, as it were? I think you need to have an open mind. Don't always rely on what you read in the books, what this country, what people's like. That might be helpful, but I think you need to discover for yourself. Also, what your perception of a country might be one way. Once you get there, you realize might not work as what you say, what you potentially see. So you need to have a very much open mind for yourself. And then also you need to be more flexible with your way of approaching things. So for one, I can, you know, illustrate examples. For example, if we are actually making client recommendations in majority country, you talk to the CEO, CFO in a private meeting, you go through all your findings and going through that. And then, for example, in Japan, we will find you will find a classroom full of staff every single members you interviewed uh, together the CEO CFO you put on that entire classroom of feet 100 people you going through the findings <laughs> oh, wow. so that's a completely different experience and then, mm. then you have to deal with it 
you actually、uh. present the issue. As long as you done your homework right, you can illustrate examples and show them why your recommendation is what they are and what sort of risk you try to dealing with. As long as you got solid evidence and where the reason are coming from, and also what you trying to illustrate is something to help them. As soon as they understand that, I think that's a common language for all cultures. No matter some culture might be aggressive towards your recommendation, some cultures might be more receptive. But as soon as they understand what you're doing is helping them, then they actually they on your side. You will get the buy-in. So it sounds like research, and the actual term itself is really in your blood because research—not just the stuff you've done at you when you're in accountancy, and then the most recent role, the, the role there at Viacom—but also then you've joined a research company. This is this is you through and through, from the sounds of it. So then you, <laughs> you just like you, you just love this stuff. You're like, yeah, I love this research. How did you then come about hearing about PPD? If it wasn't for your research, obviously. True. A is a personal choice. We are.、Uh Decide a family choice. Want to decide to move to Cambridge. B is the headhunter actually looking for you know for people coming from London to Cambridge.、Yeah. So PPD is an amazing company located in Cambridge, United Kingdom, but it is actually a truly global company. Also, I see the potential of the company at that time. When I joined, we had about five thousand employees, and personally, I involved in many development in the organisation, including organic growth. We set up various different organisations. Organizations in around different part of countries. I personally involved in that merger acquisitions and various different massive deals we actually、uh, work into. At the time, PPD was listed the company as well.、Mm-hmm. So also I helped the company to become delisted. So all this process going through was actually tremendously useful, especially with my experience with accountancy firm as well as Viacom, both in industry understanding as well as international understanding. Then working for a global company, that was almost like a perfect match. And you walked in the door and you came in as the treasurer, but it was a treasurer of what? What was the sort of treasury setup when you sort of opened the office? And went ah, is it just me or you know what was the situation? So when I first come to PPD, I was coming as finance. So I was working as finance director, and then the role we we developed because we were listed the company, we had lots of cash, and then my role was more as acting as you know basically finance director, working on the merger acquisition, work leading on various different regions finance functions, and then not until 2009 we actually acquired a two. Mass fairly big Chinese company, and I was involved in that due diligence, then、uh, also acquisition, then integration. So the company actually moved me to China for a year.、Oh, wow. So I spent one year, literally, actually moved the entire family to China for one year as a second, helping out for all the integration, get everything on board, everything truly integrated. 2010, I come back to UK. We actually preparing for. Become delist the company, and again help the company to delist the company during the entire delisting process. We recognized we do need to set up a separate treasury department. In the beginning, the treasury department is will be really one quarter of my full time role. So it's really my job title from director, comma finance, becoming director, comma finance and treasury. 
So then begin, you know, we're looking after the probably cash liquidity and investment and merger acquisition, then more and more you realize you need looking more about the debt and how to effectively working on PPD's capital structure. We then exploring how to set up the, the Treasury Department. Mm-hmm. At that time, 2010 or so, I started to uh, attend ACT conference and also gain further Treasury qualification with ACT. And that was a great experience too, because I was able to take the opportunity talking to various different treasury professionals and people literally doing similar role to me or actually already been doing the role for some time. And I was actually seeking their advice saying what their organization, treasury organization look like and what the team you know, how many people in their team, what, how do they make up their team? What is the difference between finance and treasury? How should you actually draw the line in between finance and treasury? So that was really a great discovery. And back to your research, I like doing my research. Yeah. So I literally done the research, you know, through theory, learning uh, technical skills, but as well as uh, talking to people. Just to ask there, you were going through a delisting. I was going to ask, you know, for the listeners, why delist and what effect, you know, or then impact did that have on, as you say, you're doing your research on how to set up a treasury, but you're a listed company and you look at some listed companies and their treasuries. This is the setup, dum, dum, dum. but you were delisting. What was driving that? Then the impact on, you know, the treasury you set up from there, was it quite different or what did you find? So when we, before the delisting process, PPD is a very effective listed company and we actually have a lot of cash. We're in some ways a cash generator doing very well. Our founder who owns most of the shareholding decided to retire. He wanted to spend more time with his family, which is very much understandable. So then that's the whole delisting process coming through. In terms of impact to the finance and treasury, mostly you were, our experience was we uh, realized we'll be, instead of uh, having lots of cash, we will have a, probably a lot of debt. And how to manage the debt, how to fund the company, and how to do the capital structure has become more important. Hence, we actually decided to uh, set up the treasury de- department to have a focus on issues like those, because previously we didn't have those issues. Mm. And, and so then how mm-hmm. did you structure up Treasury going forward? Yes, very good question. That's what I will try to get to. So That's I good. done lots of this discovery with other people. We realized looking outside of the PPD, the Treasury Department looks completely different for different organizations. Mm. I've spoken to many, many treasurers. In fact, some of the companies might have two, three hundred employees in treasury departments, where others may have one and outsource mm. absolutely everything. And the most organizations obviously between three to 15 employees and then really, and also how they design is very different. And they seem to have a slightly different focus. So that's the time I actually really triggered me thinking more, I think I need it take inside look what PPD's finance organization already look like, what the people's strengths and their weakness are. 
then at the end, we actually customized Treasury Departments for PPD itself. We look through what we are doing well, what, what we actually can be enhanced, what is the gap, to how to fill the gap. Mm. So hence, actually, I would say the Treasury Department in PPD is somewhat different to others, but suits us perfectly. For example, how they work differently, we got credit control reporting into Treasury. Okay. So then that makes Treasury very much client facing. So we literally looking after all the aspects between cash in to cash out and all the liquidity in between and also debt structuring, capital structure, risk management all become one. Mm -hmm. So this actually we don't have a gap. Some of the organization treasury may not be client facing, so they may not see the issue before they become an issue. I think we're we're blessed to structure the way actually we decide to structure make a lot of sense for us. So you have a sort of life cycle of cash that, as you say, if it's credit controls, it's right the way from inception of cash coming into the, the group, passing through treasury and everything else. You, you look after it in that entire life journey. Is that right? Yes, absolutely right. Where do you see when you're doing that and when you're putting in place those processes because you've got this new team and new department and everything else, what has been critical to you? Have you thought, right, let's get this all systematized, let's get everything else, everyone's talking technology and everything else, but what has been your ethos? What's been your sort of drive and motivation, as it were? Important, very important early stage to set your treasury objective hmm. and what you try to achieve. So I literally, obviously, leaning on some of the you know theories I learned, but also very much customized to the PPD needs. What gaps do we try to fill, and we make really a brainstorm. We put everything on the paper. What we try to achieve in treasury, what value we're adding. Then actually try to look at the employees. We obviously had some employees previously working in finance, you know, why the finance function. We have them coming into treasury group and examine what they did before and what they're actually about to do, what things they should be doing, what things they shouldn't be doing. We have to do a quite clear line. And when the credit control came into us and there are certain tasks, from my mind, it's not credit control, not completely treasury. So I have to actually negotiate with various different departments to say, okay, I'm keeping this part and they're taking another part, but actually you, you have to take this part because mm. that is not quite client-facing, customer-driven uh, activities. It's mm. more accounting, for example. So we had to make it quite clear. And in terms of system-wise, we obviously had deployed and then uh, developing our treasury management system mm. and having that system processes embedded into the treasury function. And that also helped to define some of the gray areas, you, you potentially say. There are always going to be some gray areas between finance and treasury, but we try to make it as clear as possible. And at the end of the day, even actually finish defining everything, which I always say to my team is actually, we are obviously very lean, a highly functional team, but we are within the PPD's entire finance team. And the treasury group sees the, you know, sees the process from beginning to end. We often see the end of a conveyor belt, what things come out to be right or wrong. And I want my team to be value adding and thinkers. If something is actually at the end we see is wrong, we have to schedule various different process improvement calls to actually talk through why the group to say, you know, we noted this issue, what 
are the root cause of these issues mm. and have them addressed. What I try to build is actually might be slightly different to some of the treasurers you interviewed. We try to have, I would say, a group of journalists who are good thinkers be able to talk to people effectively and get people working collectively uh, and effectively together. So that's what my goal is. I see some of the treasury individuals out there become more specialized. That's not what I try to build. So PPD Treasury Department, I'm trying to get everyone to work, obviously work in different areas, but they all mm. rotate. We're working and then they also learn from each other. So the, at the end of the day, they're all going to become great treasury manager, treasury associate director, directors, and treasurer one day in different organizations. It's interesting. Sorry, mm-hmm. just one of, picking out one of the things you said there. I recently interviewed a senior treasury professional for this role we're recruiting at Nike, the senior FX director. And one of the, I said, well, what would you say is your key to success? And I think it very much reflects in what you said there is, he said, don't leave any small mistakes behind. And I was like, okay. Mm. And he, he sort of explained it. He said he's got a team, and that when he talks to that team, he said to these guys, "There's a small mistake. Let let's deal with it now together, collaboratively, get it sorted, rather than go, oh, hang on, we'll get rid of that for now or hide that." He said because pretty soon, with a couple of iterations, it becomes a quite a big problem. And he said, but before that, Absolutely. just let's deal with it together as a group. And it sounds like you've got that particularly focused with your sort of cross selling with internally and making sure people can you know cover for each other and things like that is that right that's correct yes absolutely because we will find ppd finance being a very well oiled machine Mm. and i would say 80 percent of processes covers you know what we say actually the process that we build deals with 80 percent of the issues and day-to-day but we often find treasury would be doing the ad hoc issues which is the 20 percent what the issues are come about but the more you spend time to deal with those issues then you actually the time will be spent not just dealing with the tactical issues but you're more going to spend more time on the strategic issue you know yeah. projects and the issues and planning and that leads just nicely into the future of treasury what are, what are you seeing coming at you down the line again on a few of the podcasts recently we've been talking that Treasurers very much seem to have this sort of role of the not futurists, but at, you know the CFOs pushing the treasurer in the way in a nice way and say, look, can you assess this technology or can you assess this this new thing coming at us? Can you help us or can you filter this? Be the filter for me if you like the CFO. Are you seeing that as part of your role or what are you seeing coming at you? I would say one of the you know major achievements did as a treasury you know relatively new treasury group nine years or so in PPD. One amazing thing we did apart from merger acquisition and expanding the company worldwide is actually the automation we've been bring into the organisation. I'm actually very much a fund of technology. Yes, there are risks and there are potential issues on any technology you might be deploying, but the automation, the way we actually, the modern technology, the, the benefit is 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 a huge. Mm. For example, all the things we build in terms of host-to-host payments and how the treasury management system working within the organization, 
we actually throughout the years, I brought in many, many different automations into the organization. Personally, I was the one negotiating with the technology department, get them to uh, move those automation projects in the higher priority list. The, the benefit is vast because we transformed from nine years ago where we actually, how we enter and payment into banks and how to get released to today, majority of the payment, 80% are the host, all the controls, you know, built in the ERP system that goes through is actually, personally, I do think Treasury being effective, the treasurer uh, needs to understand technology, use the technology to bring your organization into 21st century. Mm. So, mm. in fact, my CFO doesn't need to ask me a question. I'm already doing them for them. <laughs> so, so and, and I continue looking all the conferences and all the seminars. I go to, I'm the one fairly vocal, talk about the benefits of technology and how to manage the technology and obviously how to identify the risk as well. But embrace 21st technology, you know, bringing to us. There are lots of companies out there bringing new things and also the banks are bringing the new things and some of the banking organizations and institutions also inviting me to their technology development group to actually voice, you know, from the corporate perspective. Um, I truly like those initiatives because we should work together with no matter is actually the bank or technology company or regulators and bringing more technology to help our day-to-day, make our processes more automated. And then, then the human will say, mm. would be able to actually how to think about how to manage the automation technologies and how to think more strategic aspect of our job rather than uh, focusing more on the tactical. So uh, personally, you know, I think technology is the future for Treasury and we should embrace more. We should do more. And then giving my background traveling around the world, I often looking at technology deployment in various different countries and different continents. You will find, I think UK is a little bit luck behind and there definitely need to be more investment and more corporate thinking, more deployment of new technology and understand uh, how to use them. My thinking, don't be afraid. We should actually embrace the change, embrace the, the new things, you know, come at us and also stay young, right? Mm. <laughs> what do you think we're behind? Is, is, is it because the UK market is a late adopter or is it just we're afraid of the effort it takes or what do you put it down to that we're not you know early adopters and not taking on and being at the frontier of taking on that stuff what do you put it down to as it were I think it's a good question. I think, you know, uh, capital investment is always the first fundamental block. The second thing is actually, techn- you know, technical skill sets. I think in that's definitely my personal view. I'm sure we, we are developing more and more, but personal view is actually there are, shall we say, less of a younger generations, you know, uh, go into uh, technology sector and then, to look for those opportunities where other countries might be doing a bit better. So uh, it's a shame, but I can see the government as well as the schools starting to looking at the same programs and trying to embrace, you know, technology is something we cannot avoid and also cannot be afraid of. I think, you know, the 
more and more emphasis would be on the sustainable programs will help the country, United Kingdom, to be able to look for opportunities like that. Before we wrap mm. up today and, and just come back to your career and things like that, one of the things I was going to mention to the listeners is that both Winnie and I are on the speaking, well, we're both speaking later on this year at the Group Treasurers Exchange. We're actually side by side on the speaker's roster. So you can meet both of us and I'm looking forward to listening to Winnie. And what will you be speaking about there? What was your focus when I'm going to be in this uh, treasury function, I will be talking about technology. Oh, ah, there you go. <laughs> and then, yes, yes. <laughs> and also talking, try to, try to be the uh, championer to get various different corporate to think about technology change and right. think about how we can deploy technology to bring our you know, country into and also all various different corporates we're working in to mm. 21st century. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, uh, that wasn't a setup. That was actually quite nice because it was just more, I, I didn't know which, which area you were going to cover. So there you go. So come and listen to Winnie and I'll be doing the Treasury Career Corner live. So similarly, live version of this podcast where I talk to treasurers such as Winnie and stuff, but I've got on the show today. Now, looking back at you, you've had this great career. You've got yourself to the treasurer position and, you know, and, and long may that continue. But if someone then looks and again we'll put uh, Winnie's connection to her LinkedIn profile in the show notes connect there if you're it's appropriate things but actually looking further than that and looking back at you someone else looks at you and they go actually that's a career that I want I'm working they might be in working for one of the big big four as it were and say actually I'd like to follow in her footsteps what, what what's the one piece of advice or overarching advice as we wrap up today's show that you'd tell someone obviously I think research might be in there obviously we know that that, that runs through as a strong bit of yourself but you know what else would you say I would say if you like to make history and drive actions and becoming value-adding to your organization, yes, then the Treasury definitely is a career to be for you. In Treasury, every day we're facing not just your internal, you know, potential organization issues, we're facing political environment change, economic environment change. You have to be so adaptable to the situation you're in and build something truly value adding to your organization and make the history then you know uh, come to work for treasury what a great closing line that's it make history come into treasury thank you very much i think we'll get a t-shirt with that for the conference that'll be great make history get into treasury (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's been fantastic really enjoyed today's show and thank you for your contribution there and i look forward we'll again we'll publish some links to when you can see winnie and myself and the conference later on this year in in the uk but you know i'm sure you'll see us on other stages as well but all that remains for me to say is thank you very much for your time today Thank you.